Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Caitlin. Yes, Jamie? Do you know how we have a podcast? <laughs> yeah. And if we don't release a, an episode every single week, we'll die? Yes. Well, there's another rule. There's another rule. What? What is the new rule? We have to have sex with each other by midnight or the podcast <laughs> will explode. I, I mean, fine. Look, I've got a magnifying glass. Do you want to... <laughs> You can read it. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I see it. The fine print is right there. Will you marry me? Yes or no? (laughs) Yes. No pressure, but Christmas will die and children will hate each other if you don't do it. Okay, fine. So why don't you do it? Why don't you say yes? I like to imagine that like (laughs) when Jesus went back up to heaven, you know, he had a lot of free time on his hands. (laughs) So I'm listening. God was like, all right, you, well, Christmas is your deal, you know, like whatever you want to do with it, feel free. Like all of this mythology and shit and all of these different holidays and shit. And so that like, in my mind, the Santa Claus trilogy is a biblical epic <laughs> that at its origin <laughs> was carved out by Jesus Christ himself so that he would have something to do up in heaven. Yeah, who decides what the Santa Claus is, much less the Santa Claus, the the other one? These clauses were written by him. (laughs) These clauses were written by the Lamb, by by Jesus Christ himself. Does that also apply to the escape clause from 2006? Certainly, yes. And because, like... Jesus, it's not really, this is, it's why Christmas is so secular. It's because Jesus' whole life is being Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. So when he was when he approaches Christmas, he's like, I want to have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have the escape clause and the Mrs. Clause, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> it's all right. We're starting the so podcast. depressing. We okay. So it's the last one, folks. This is look. We're going out on top, which is. I mean, what's the point of continuing after we we run out of Santa Claus movies? I honestly, I was getting sad as I was preparing for this episode because I was like, damn, what are we gonna do next December? We're out. Oh, I have an I I do have an idea. Oh, what is it? I want to do all the Rankin Bath specials at once. Oh, okay. Rankin Bath like claymation specials. Yeah. I want to do an episode that's about all of them. <laughs> wow, like Heat Miser, Snow Miser, Santa Claus is coming mm-hmm. to town. What? Is it Rudolph, uh, Rudolph one of them? Rudolph. Yeah. There's a gnarly Rankin Bath special about the Easter Bunny. That involves yes. like, yeah, like royal intrigue and like the mm-hmm. royal family is trying to kill the Easter Bunny. It's pretty wild. My favorite one is Jack Frost, which is Rankin Bass's like truly strong rebuttal of the of communism. They're like, <laughs> we simply <laughs> must put our foot down. We need to make a claymation I... special about why the Soviet Union is a threat. I mean, okay, maybe we can't cover them all in one because there's like that's, yeah, that's, a that's quite ambitious. Boy, and there's also the the not very much seen Little Drummer Boy two, which is mm. about market economies and barter systems. Really? Yes, one hundred percent. Grace, how do you know this? <laughs> Are you? You might be the only person that's ever watched these. Yeah, I was I was alone a lot as a kid, <laughs> um, and that's. If if you have any question about me, usually the answer is I was alone a lot when I was a kid. Wow. Sorry, Grace and I are actually just catching up. Uh, we were supposed to get dinner <laughs> before she left town, and we were we both got busy, so we're just kind of catching up right now. So the Santa Claus two, okay. So I let's go let's let's take it back a little bit and say that I nailed the introduction, and I think yes. that yes. I brought I brought oh my the energy. God. Jamie killed the introduction. Thank yes. you so much. And I don't think I've been introduced yet, even. I, okay, so let's do that, and then okay, we'll introduce okay. the show, and then we'll do other stuff. Okay, so <laughs> we're doing an episode on Santa Claus 2. Our yes. guest is comedian, writer, you remember her from our episodes on The Santa Claus mm-hmm. and The Santa Claus 3, <laughs> and now it's time for The Santa Claus 2. It's Grace Freud. Hello and welcome back. Hi, everybody. Grace, welcome it's, back. It's great to be here. Now, can we just recap really quickly why we went one, three, two? I know the answer, but I just want to make sure our listeners, in case we have listeners that have come in the past year, Grace has, uh, I, I would say if you haven't listened to the first two Santa Claus episodes, maybe stop this episode stop and, go, and back go back to 2019 because yeah. we've we we covered it in a very particular order based on how much they interested us and so yeah. <laughs> we went one three two and this is the last one available for now i really hope that we get to see <laughs> two hours ago oh, i literally texted um yeah both my managers and also the most famous person who was a friend of mine and was like Let's make a new The Santa Claus. What do you um, say? I really want to make a new The Santa Claus. It seems like a safe bet. And I think we're going to make it happen. Let's see if Eric Lloyd yeah. is available. You know, is he the it it seems like maybe he's retired, but would he come back to play uh 
37-year-old Charlie? Let's see. <laughs> Let's just see. Let's hope so. Yeah. Okay, so the show that we're doing is called The Bechtel Cast, and it's our <laughs> movie podcast oh my God. where we... <laughs> Where we analyze movies through an intersectional feminist lens. We've been doing You know this. what? We've been doing it. I don't... I think we should just skip what the Bechdel test is. We we are short on time here today. This doesn't pass it. Right? <laughs> it, it like, let's... You don't even need to know what it is because... I watched through it twice and it doesn't. <laughs> it does. So we're just going to kind of gloss over what the, the show is because here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back and listen to the other episodes and then you'll learn. You'll find out. It's... You need those. two Mrs. Clauses to talk to each other about the only female elf who works at the North poll for two lines of dialogue <laughs> and they both have to be named mrs claus and that doesn't happen in this movie and it's there there is so many it's so like this one is like wow scott is like there are so many daddy plot lines in this movie and scott's the daddy every single time yeah mm-hmm. so many people's daddies he really is he's really oh, gosh the dad like he's even like neil's daddy when you think about it <laughs> Yeah, this movie has such like interesting sequel energy where it's like, oh, all these like pretty well developed characters from the first movie. Now it's eight years later and they're parodies of themselves. And some of them are not the same person anymore. This movie has inside of it the perfect Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. But it really like in a weird way, (laughs) the Santa Claus sequels kind of try to like MCU themselves. Like, they, like, pull in all of these other, like, mythological figures. They're like, here's a bunch of canon that we're going to spew at you. The whole council of legendary figures. Yeah, exactly. They lean into the small magical parts of the first movie, which which really were kind of just sprinkled on and and made Mm. the film beautiful and magical. But then they lean into it so hard that all of a sudden... The North Pole has the a fucking like Blackwater. Yeah, you know, like, like they, have, they have like their own military and like all this shit. <laughs> they militarize the North Pole and Santa Claus. The the new he like self identifies as a despot. Yeah, multiple times. Yeah. It was I was like, oh, this is the fascist Santa Claus. The, the Santa Claus too is maybe the most important work of art <laughs> for understanding what 9-11 did to America. Mm. I honestly don't think you're very far off there at all. Because you're just like, why did we... What happened between 1994 and 2002? Because this came out... Okay, so so for the audience, this came out uh, Christmas season 2002. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, let's see when it was shot. Um, I'm not quite sure. Oh, it was to see. It was supposed to be. Okay, this is interesting. I don't have mm-hmm. an inside look. I have two sentences on Wikipedia, but I'm gonna run with this. Please. It was supposed to come out on November 21st, 2001. Was postponed until 2002. The following I year. I wonder what changed, if anything, in the movie between. You know, when it was made pre 9 11 in 2001 and 2002, when there's a despot that needs to be overthrown and there's a heavily militarized, you know, nutcracker army, and there's. 
at the end of the day, all I care about is, is David Krumholtz there and am I still in love with him? And it's yes and yes. He's still there, but not quite enough. No, he's a prisoner. He's a POW in this one. Yeah. They make David Krumholtz a POW in the Santa Claus 2. I would say, you know what, I'm going to lay it all on the line and say probably 50% of the movie changed Mm. post 9-11. That's what I'm going to say. I mean, a big change I noticed was, speaking of David Krumholtz, his wig is no longer white guy with dreads. It's now just tight curls. Yes, yes, Interesting. And I think that's a big improvement. He still looks good. Someone talked like... (laughs) If <laughs> someone talked to the, the the elves had to get a sensitivity training. <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, there. I I was talking to someone. Did did you see that Ashley Ray tweet about about how Bernard the elf was like a formative sexual experience for like a large swath of young yes. people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I really do think Bernard the elf transcends gender. Like I yeah. do think. <laughs> That that is a non-binary character on screen, and I think just that, in and of itself, makes you ask questions of like, well, if it's not a binary, then what does it mean to like someone who isn't going to fit into that? And that's where Bernard comes in. I I like that. Um. Okay. So real quick. <laughs> Okay, okay. Grace, what's your relationship with this particular movie and the franchise as a whole? I believe that this movie is the last movie I saw with my dad before he died. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I've said this before, but I think it was Yeah. It was this one. This um, is it to the 2002 one? Yes. Uh My dad died in 2003. Okay. Wait a sec. Wait, when did this movie come out? 2002. So that does. That so does Christmas count. season two thousand and two. Yeah. Oh, I you know, I don't no no no. It was it was, I saw this with his brother, my uncle Mark. Okay. And I think he was there. In my mind, he's there, but that doesn't quite add up timeline wise. Okay. Hmm. I'm so sorry if I just messed with the mythology of the Bactyl <laughs> Cast fans don't hate me. It's absolutely I've your I've never really added it up in my head before. But, I mean, my dad died, so, like, really, nothing. You couldn't do something worse to me. But, um, <laughs> but so, point being, this movie came out at a very tumultuous time of my life. Yeah. And I do remember seeing it and thinking, oh, you know, maybe my dad just needs a wife. Um, I guess we'll never know if, like, my dad would still be alive today if he had simply gotten a wife by Christmas Day 2002. It makes you think. Wow. It makes you think. So you have a very interesting relationship with this movie is what you're saying. I mean, and yeah, and hopefully everyone has listened through the first uh, five hours of information we have on this franchise, on this podcast. Yes. And, yeah. yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jamie, what about you? What's your relationship? Oh, I remember seeing this movie in theaters. I remember 
being like, wow, Charlie's bad now, huh? Oh, Charlie's bad? Oh, yes. he's, he's putting a big old red circle with a line through it over a Christmas tree? Ah. Oh. That rocked me. I was so shocked. I remember being in the theater and being like, Charlie, what? No. <laughs> he's Charlie, like, what are you doing? He's the cutiest cutie pie. And he's so, I mean, it's like this movie did come out eight years later. So, mm -hmm. but for a kid that was watching the Santa Claus every year, very jarring to see Charlie be preteen bad boy about to give a girl a kiss because she's like, sometimes it feels good to be bad. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> okay. So that is, um, I mainly remember this i mean also i just remember there there were so many movies in this specific era like all the time but in this era there were a lot of disney movies with this premise where it's like kind of like the uh beautiful perfect intro i did where it's like if santa doesn't get married at midnight we're gonna cut his head off and you're all fucked <laughs> like this same this similar premise was in the princess diaries too that yeah, came out, I, I think, a couple of years after this, where it's like, she's not going to be royal anymore unless she gets married tomorrow. So what's she going to do, huh? And then that's the whole movie. Um, and this mm -hmm. is kind of a more militarized uh, version <laughs> of that story at the North Pole. Mm -hmm. I don't know why these movies came out within two years of each other. I don't know why these stakes are so... It's so weird because it's like these, these are stakes that are associated with like times where women were considered property and not yeah. mm, mm. like middle school principles but this yeah. <laughs> movie overlooks that and they're like well why not both why why not both <laughs> yeah it truly like <laughs> it's fucked it's fucking weird like it's really fucked up like i think it would be significantly less fucked up if the ending was slightly different Mm -hmm. But oh my gosh. the way that he presents, the way that he like convinces, well, we, we, we can get to that later. We can, we, yeah, we'll, yeah. Get, we'll, we'll, we'll that get That proposal there. is, oh my it's God. Wretched. Yeah. It's my so wretched. <laughs> and it takes something that like, yeah, we can analyze it by like, you need a woman as if you need like a uh, like a, a house or something like as if like a piece of property. <sighs> but before that, I think that like it's it it does come off as in general like kind of sweet. Oh, this is a cool little rom com, and then that happens and it's like, Jesus Christ, Santa, <laughs> what did you do? It's very scary. Like, at the very end. There has to be some way to navigate around this clot. Like, get a lawyer, Santa. There has to be a way around this. You don't need to put the literal weight of the world. Like, and I like how they, I don't like, but, like, they try to frame it as a joke. They're like, haha, no pressure. But all yeah. the joy in the world will disappear unless you marry me right now. And she's like, well, can I? And then the way they girl boss this character is kind of honestly ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship to it, Caitlin? <laughs> Sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I had never seen this one. I grew up with the Ooh. first Santa Claus movie, and I watched it a ton as a kid. But by the time this one came out, I had aged out of this type of movie. So I didn't see the second or third Santa Claus movie until prepping for last year's episode that we did on Santa Claus 3. So you never saw the marriage at gunpoint Santa no. Claus? No, I did not. So my, wow. my history with this installment in the franchise is quite brief. Mm -hmm. 
but let's talk about it. Um, let's talk about it. This is the hereditary of Santa Claus movies. <laughs> I will say I do like as horrifying as it is, I do feel like I got a little bit of nostalgia that I that I'm dubious about. But I was like, wow, there's a lot of body horror in this film franchise. I feel like you don't mm. you don't get that kind of body horror in uh, children's media today. Although maybe I'm just not mm. watching enough. And mm. they are doing uh, very scary things. Well, Paddington certainly doesn't have any body horror. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's take a quick break and then we will come back for the recap. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. And, and we're back. We're back. Okay. I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as possible. Ooh, <laughs> good luck. Here we go. Okay. So Santa Claus 2 opens with a plane flying over the North Pole and almost detecting Santa's workshop with their like radar or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Santa Claus, a.k.a. Tim <laughs> Allen. Because all of this infinite magic cannot block Can the- uh, an oil plane's so fucking radar. Like all of this like, beautiful magic. Can, cannot do the same as soundproofing, mm. you know. Like, like, I guess they should have put some foam yeah, in the say, dome they that covers. Put the a fucking... jacket over the North Pole, and that probably would have <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah, does not add up. Um, but Santa Claus and Bernard and several other of the elf employees have to go to ElfCon One, and during this, we meet Curtis. Okay, that's Spencer Breslin. ElfCon One, like. Pump the brakes. There's an ElfCon <laughs> one because it's it's the winter of 2002 and everyone is is in a very negative place on these issues. And, and let us let us recognize for a moment that ElfCon one uh-huh. is normal. 
That is what they are at in times of peace. Because at the end of this sequence, Santa goes, let's go back to Elfcon 1. They are always on alert. They are always prepared and in fear of the specter of a terrorist attack on the North Pole. And not only that, but Santa multiple times references military strategy, which suggests to me that Tim Allen Santa Claus is a well-read military general. <laughs> now, I'm... Okay, so now I, I, I recall that in the Santa Claus one, there is a hint at militarized elves. I believe that there's an elf, it's like a CIA or FBI yes. kind of thing. So there's like not yeah. no precedent for this. Well, it, it's a it's special forces. Spe- I think it, it comes forces. off more as like as like a SWAT team almost, you know. Yes, 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 yes. But it's fun. The difference there is it's goofy. Yeah. You know, it it, it plays more like Power Rangers and less like the US military. And the scale you know? feels much smaller than mm-hmm. Elfcon one. Yeah, it's like it's like five elves. It's a small operation. Not not saying it's the best thing in the world, but uh Elfcon one is definitely an escalation from the nineteen ninety four militarized elves. But but at the same time, this is all an aesthetic thing. Because all of a sudden Santa is in military garb. With, yes. with a special military hat with medals and shouting out orders and they go all the they eventually go up all the way to Elfcon 4 but nothing they don't do anything they do nothing but tell people to be quiet right. they don't launch mi- missiles or anything it's a like, waste of taxpayers money it really it's a, what, is a waste of elf taxpayers money it's a waste of elf taxpayer money what's also wild about this is that this has nothing to do with the rest of the plot of the movie yeah so it's like santa it... needs to get married that's shitty but that's enough to do the movie you don't need to add a war like <laughs> if anything it softens the b plot of the film which is this toy santa right. that militarizes the north pole it's like you see that happen and you're like, what do you mean? Like, that already happened. Like, we already saw the real Santa bring it all the way up to Elfcon 4. In this scenario, the real Santa is Barack Obama and the toy Santa is um, George W. Bush. Like, Barack Obama still did a lot of drone strikes, you know? But when he came into office, people were like, all right, it's chill. The wars are going to be good now, you know? <laughs> right. And then we go to, and then that carries through to the Santa Claus 3, which you can pause this episode right now and go back. And, and then Jack go. Frost is Donald Trump. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. I'm also realizing yeah. that Spencer Breslin was also in The Princess Diaries too, meaning that he's really. Um, kind of a popular hmm. choice for this exact premise. If this premise is happening on the big screen and there's a forced, there's an arranged forced marriage happening on screen, you got to get this kid around. Got to get Spencer in there. Yeah, Spencer Breslin, really. There was a, an era. There was really a Spencer Breslin era. So Spencer Breslin plays Curtis, who's an elf 
And then we see Santa playing a game of football with the elves. Basically, everyone is having fun, except there's one little thing where Curtis and Bernard have something that they need to tell Santa very soon. We'll put a pin in that. Meanwhile, Santa's son, Charlie, who is now a teenager and kind of a rebel. Don't you not love the... I hope it was written for the movie. Whatever the fuck that song is, when he's doing his little graffiti where it's like, I've been a naughty Santa boy. I don't deserve a toy. <laughs> like, it was like, <laughs> Fat Boy Christmas. It was so it funny. Really it's like they just, they gave someone's uncle 500 bucks. <laughs> like, just write a few <laughs> They were like, go off, Christmas King. Songs. He's been a naughty boy. <laughs> it's just you and your guitar, man. Just fucking do what you need to do, dude. <laughs> I love bad boy Charlie. He's right, such he's... a good graffiti artist. He's so talented. Get this kid mm-hmm. in an art class. Truly. Direct this energy. He's spray painting on a wall at school to impress a girl and also, like, call out the principal for hating christmas it's pro christmas spray bag yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) everything everything that charlie charlie just continually gets in trouble for spray painting pro christmas messages throughout the school (laughs) it's very funny and he gets caught by the school principal principal newman yeah so then back at the north pole Santa finds out that not only is his son Charlie on the naughty list for getting in trouble at school, but also there's another Santa Claus with an E. There's another legally binding clause that says... The Mrs. Claus. Little Spencer Breslin really has to do a lot of heavy lifting exposition-wise in this scene. The line they give him is so funny. He's like, I know there's a Santa Claus, but guess what? There's another Santa Claus, and I'm sorry, and I should have let you read it, but I didn't have a big enough magnifying glass. Here, I have 500 magnifying glasses, and now you can read it, and that's the movie. And like... He has to say all of this in like one breath, but he does it. <laughs> and then after he's after Santa's looked at the closet and found, found out he needs to marry a, a woman, it also specifies a woman. It, it yes, very, very, it's very clearly. Yes. It does not say just marry. It says you need to pick a woman and then marry her. And mm-hmm. um, and that's on Jesus Christ for writing that down. It really is on <laughs> Jesus Christ for writing it. Like I would also note, nowhere in that clause does it specify they have to love each other. Correct. Wow. Like, <laughs> which is I, which to me is almost not very Christmassy. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like you would think that like true love, you know, would be like an important power, like little engine of Christmas cheer. Wow, that didn't even occur to me. But but that's not what it's about. What it's about is is the marriage. Yeah. And then after that, Spencer again is is given the acting challenge of his life, and he goes big. <laughs> Maybe too big. I don't know if it quite works. I love when he goes But big. like, kudos to him. And he goes like, the desantification process has begun. Yes. <laughs> and it almost takes me out of the movie to tell you the truth. He goes that big. <laughs> but but he, he really does illustrate the stakes. Certainly. So to provide the context here, uh, Santa has to find a woman and get married to her and if he doesn't do that by Christmas Eve, which is only 28 days away, he will cease to be Santa. And 
as Curtis points out, the de-Santification process has begun where he has started to look less and less like Santa and more and more like his former self, Scott Calvin. Right. Immediately after this, there's a meeting of the Council of Legendary Figures. We've got Mother Earth, we've got Father Time, the Easter Bunny, Cupid, Sandman, Tooth Fairy. And no Jack Frost! Jack Frost only pops up in the next movie. It's like... That's true. <laughs> it's, I, feel like I do feel like the, the Council is uh, better utilized in the third movie. In this one, they're kind yes. of like, I'm thrilled to see them. I love a good Aisha Tyler performance, but it's sure. like... They're not doing much, except with the exception of the Tooth Fairy, who well, I forgot yeah. became intimately involved. Yeah, this this scene seems to only happen because we need to establish that the Tooth Fairy is a person, because that's going to pay off later. Mm-hmm. I so, feel like we didn't. You didn't actually need that. You could have just truly. I, I like it wouldn't have blown my mind if the Tooth Fairy <laughs> just showed up, and I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. I agree. Santa's real. There's like three movies fighting to be the movie. Right? <laughs> One of the movies is a rom-com. Mm-hmm. One of the movies is a grand mythological Christmas movie. And then another one of the movies is essentially the Christmas version of Thin Red Line. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And if it had just been the rom-com, it could have been one of the best christmas rom-coms ever it still would have been super dated but it would have like made sense yeah it could have been really fun and cool you know like the concept of like there needing to be a mrs claus like i think they could have played it in a way that didn't quite come off as property you know <laughs> yeah, if, they, if they had like given themselves the if they had taken away from the fascism plot line and maybe characterized and fleshed out the rom-com plot line, maybe it would have been a little different and changed the wording of Jesus Christ's clause to make it <laughs> less menacing. Yes, maybe. exactly, exactly. If Jesus had, if the diegetic Jesus of this universe <laughs> had been a little more thoughtful in how he wrote these clauses, it would have been a better movie. Well, yes. I mean, I don't know what we're talking about because uh, it took five whole men to write this movie. So I don't, <laughs> there's... I just think it's I mean I know that that's how these movies work but it just it is always funny to me to see how many writers are credited on movies like this and they're just like really hard to understand like who I'm like okay so which of these writers Don Cinco Ken Ed and John really wanted the fascism plot to happen which of them wanted the rom-com which of them wanted (laughs) bad boy Charlie like I want I want plot points attributed so I know who to mm. avoid in the future. Oh, gosh. Okay, so so now Scott, a.k.a. Santa, has to go back down to Chicago or wherever his family lives to deal with his son, Charlie, and to find a, a wife, uh, his wife. But he also has, you know, Santa responsibilities at the North Pole. So this is when Curtis gets the idea to use this machine that they have, which will make a toy version of Santa who will run the North Pole while real Santa goes and does the stuff he has to do. Right. So Santa takes Comet and they head to Chicago where Scott links up with his ex-wife, Laura, uh, and her husband, Neil. And they, and they immediately fuck. 
right in front of me. <laughs> I just fucking go, go for it. I thought it was when Caitlin said links up. She meant that's what I meant. Yes. Up. And then after that, they go and meet with Principal Newman to talk about Charlie getting into trouble. Mm. And Principal Newman and, and Scott have met before, and they hate each other because she's a public school educator, which means that she's evil. Yeah, this movie hates public uh, schools. Yeah, like with a with a fiery hatred that only five rich guys could have committed to the page uh but the i i thought it was interesting that it seems like all of the qualities that were annoying to scott about laura in the first movie she no longer has in this movie she her character has basically been like like sapped from her body and those qualities now exist in the principal all she does is say you're a good dad scott yeah. You're a good dad and a better a better father and a, a, a good man. And a good Santa. She can't stop saying what a good father he is, even though he is largely absent. Like, it just, like, I just thought it was very bizarre how, like, her character, like, it, Neil's character yes. was turned up to an 11 and her character was just, like, disappeared. It's down. gone. Yeah. yeah. It's, th- there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing there. Bummed me out. She's only there to say, you you did nothing wrong. <laughs> You've done you, you you are okay. And it's like, did you even see the first movie, Laura? Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to like talk about like really what was Scott's emotional arc in this? Because like right. constantly the movie is telling you there's nothing wrong with him and he did nothing wrong. But he, That's but true. he still has to do this shit, you know. Like, but he like, also like no, he also see. It seems like at different points they're implying like, well, part of the reason Charlie's getting in trouble is because Scott is so absent, which yes. I could conceive of. But then that kind of goes away, and they're like, no, no, no. Charlie's just acting out because he's in love with Christmas, and he hates that he can't tell everyone that his dad is Santa. You're like, well, that's yes, exactly. a less interesting problem to explore. <laughs> really, Charlie's arc is is accepting that it's wrong of him to miss his father. Right. Like, like yeah. It's wrong. That's incorrect behavior. That ending exchange was chilling to me between uh, Charlie and his sister, Lucy, um, mm-hmm. where he, what does he say? He says, knowing isn't a burden. It's a gift. You're like, it's, it's kind of a burden for you, Charlie. Like we got to God. The, and the Lucy stuff is a whole nother movie. Honest to God. Oh my like that, that, that's, that's competing. <laughs> Lucy is Charlie's little, little sister. Yeah. She, she's a big Santa fan. Oh, she, she <laughs> loves Santa. Yeah. There are several new female characters introduced in this movie and there's uh, there's lots to talk about with yeah. all of them yeah yes and the thing of it is like for a movie that is ostensibly about that's ostensibly that wants to sell it to you as a romantic comedy about santa finding his mrs claus the last 10 minutes of the movie don't even have mrs claus in it like it's just a whole nother deal like wrapping up this other thread and then she appears in the credits yes yeah (sighs) okay so back at laura and neil's house this is when we meet their young daughter lucy uh who santa slash scott has a very close relationship with and again santa who is now looking more and more like scott calvin 
he has started to try to meet women. Yeah. Uh, for example, he goes on a date with Molly Shannon, who is obsessed with Christmas, but in like a freaky way, so it doesn't work out. Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, I've, I'm not going to complain about that scene being there because Sh- Molly Shannon is amazing, but huh what <laughs> and then at the i liked how at the end she's like oh you don't support my music career well you don't support women and i was like yeah yeah you don't support yeah, women so- if you don't support me being annoying at a restaurant that's exactly <laughs> what i think is that's true exactly it. it was almost like that joke felt like a a joke like making fun of me too but like from like but in 2002 i was just like <laughs> Ultimately, I agree with her. If you don't support me yelling at a restaurant, you hate women. Period. <laughs> like, believe women? Are you saying I'm supposed to believe that woman that thinks her singing voice is good? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> I didn't really know where that scene was going, but always happy to see Molly Shannon. I don't know. I mean, she kills it. Yeah. <laughs> she certainly kills it. I would say that, honestly, that scene doesn't go far enough. <laughs> like yeah. I, I wish they had really let her unleash herself. You know, mm-hmm. like she's never full on belting. You know, which is disappointing <laughs> to me. Maybe, maybe in Santa Claus Four, we'll bring her back. In my hard reboot, um, <laughs> she'll be playing an entirely different character. Hell oh, good, yeah. good, good, good. Um, okay, so meanwhile, up at the North Pole, Toy Santa is taking the rules too seriously and is becoming a bit of a tyrant. Basically, he wants all the kids to be on the naughty list. Mm-hmm. Then Charlie gets in trouble at school again. and For more pro-Christmas graffiti, by yes. the way. For, <laughs> for doing, quite honestly, even better graffiti than he did the first Oh, time. yeah. His graffiti, by the way, is, looks professional. It looks really... Shout out to whatever production designer was doing that. It looks great, right? I mean, really, I honestly, watching this, I was like, am I forgetting that at some point the principal or someone is like, listen, Charlie, stop messing around. You're good. You're really good. But you you gotta stop with this graffiti and start picking up a paintbrush, you know? Also, the... The graffiti says, uh, trim a tree, go to jail, is what it says. That's what the principal is saying. Which is not even clever. I think it's, I think it's very powerful and, and maybe a little it's scary. It's so odd to me that such a trim secular Trim a tree, film, go to jail. A Christmas movie that does not mention Jesus once, that doesn't have a single cross, also has a character, in this case Santa Claus himself, Scott Calvin, confront the... <laughs> principal and be like why aren't there any christmas trees in this school why aren't there any lights and tinsel and she's she's very reasonably like hey it's a public school and he's like well gosh golly god darn it here's some money uh for a wreath but she says it's a public school therefore we don't have the funding for christmas decorations not it's a public school because separation of church and state like she cites the wrong reason yeah and not for nothing but like i mean my experience in public school was that there was a lot of holiday stuff yes like i I did not find that to be washed out i mean and to the point where maybe it was uh warranted to be like hey why is there so much christmas stuff in 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 this public school separation of church and state school but (laughs) i never found that there was any lack of like 
celebrating literally any holidays, including the the fucked up ones that indoctrinate you into all sorts of uh, messed up shit. Yeah. So I don't even know like what it's supposed to be commenting on because I don't really know of public school kids that didn't that weren't exposed to a ton of Christmas stuff right. at school. Right. Yeah. We, I mean, yeah, we sang Christmas songs in choir. Yeah. Santa came to school. Mm-hmm. Well, so, sorry, I didn't go to some fancy Massachusetts private school with a school Santa, but that sounds pretty cool. I'm telling you, I went to public school, Grace, and there I was know, a but Tim I, Allen But in come. Massachusetts, the mm-hmm. golden gilded state of the union. Oh, my God. I... <laughs> I grew up in one of the iconically. It was voted uh, 2005's worst 100 places to live in the United States. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, okay, so Charlie gets in trouble at school. Principal Newman, whose first name is Carol, by the way, Christmas Carol. Yeah. She makes Charlie and Scott do community service where Carol and Scott warm up to each other a bit, and then. Later that night, or some night shortly after that, Scott shows up at her house and asks if she would like to get a bite to eat with him. Uh, But she was headed to the faculty Christmas party, so she invites him along. And she is so thirsty that she's (laughs) like, yeah, yeah, weird dad that I hated until this morning. (laughs) For sure. Uh, I think it's important to note that the Santa Claus 2 is actually an adaptation of the novel The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith, which many will know for its other film adaptation, Carol. Um, So Mm. the Santa Claus 2 takes a lot of liberties. Basically, all it pulls from The Price of Salt is that there's a woman named Carol and it happens at Christmas time. <laughs> um, but it is it is cool, at least, that there's a Disney movie uh-huh. that was based on a novel written by a dyke icon. Mm. It's true. And we've, we've covered Carol on this very show. Yes, we have. So shout out to the movie Carol. <laughs> yeah, two different versions. And shout out to the movie versions. The Santa Claus too. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, he shows up. He's like he shows and, up, and also the, the, there's so many points in this film where it's like you really couldn't beat that, you know, like jokes mm-hmm. where you're like, you really couldn't beat him being like, oh, oh, uh, I just want to ask, uh, do you, do you want to go get noodles and pie? Like you couldn't <laughs> beat that. Come on. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so he so he shows up. He invites she invites him to her Christmas party. He uses some of his Santa magic to take her there in a horse drawn sleigh, mm-hmm. and they chat along the way. They get to know each other a little bit better. Uh, then they go she to has the Christmas based trauma. Yes. She's like, yeah. oh yeah, it's what my parents told me. Grow up because Christmas reasons. <laughs> and she's like, and that's because why I punch- like- didn't she punch someone. She, she got in a fight a at school, yes. Yeah who, yeah, who who was saying Santa isn't real. Yeah. Like, there's so many, not so many, but like two or three moments in this movie where it's implied that like it is a deep psychic wound that has led Carol to become a public school teacher. Like, I don't know why this movie hates public school teachers so mm-hmm. much because mm-hmm. it's also implied that her like 
weird Christmas trauma is like, and that's why I'm the meanest teacher in the whole world. <laughs> You're like, this well, is so I, I did, bizarre. I gotta admit that they, I had a Christmas uh, committed psychic wound mm. um, that led me to becoming a comedy writer, mm. which was that I found out Santa wasn't real because I was reading the Sunday funnies and there was like one of those it wasn't the far side it was like a far side ripoff you know like oh god single panel comic called like like f is for fake or something okay and there was a comic about how santa wasn't real and for whatever reason like i i got the i like i i I read the funnies every day i got the joke and the way this joke was positioned for whatever reason really convinced me i was like wow that must mean I mean, this joke wouldn't make sense if he was real. I don't know. Like, it was just like, mm. wow, Santa for real definitely doesn't exist. And because of that, I became a comedian because I want to prove that you can do good comedy without telling kids that Santa isn't real. <laughs> See, so if I, any kids I... are listening to this right now, Santa is real, actually. Mm. We've just been goofing, but Santa is real. Yeah, I, I hope that if kids are still listening to this... Um... <laughs> Santa is real. I there. I I feel like I I double and triple down on um, finding out Santa wasn't real each and every year by adding more Santas to Santa University and just oh, yes. you know adding a multiplier to the number the sheer number of Santas that are real but also very mortal. You know, <laughs> true. Much like these Santas, much like Scott. Scott will die if he doesn't find a wife so soon, which is why he goes to the party with Carol and it's and the party is dull. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Scott uses some more of his Santa magic to liven it up and he gives all the party goers Uh a bunch of gifts. Classic retro toys. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's running out of his Santa magic, which means he's going to have trouble getting back to the North Pole. I forgot to add that part in there. Mm -hmm. But Carol is suspicious of Scott and all the magic he seems to be using. But she's also dazzled. And Carol and Scott kiss. And, and it's then, a bad kiss. Sorry, it's a really mm-hmm. bad... I'm like, we can't get a second take on this kiss. They're just like... Sometimes you're just like, wow, a kiss... Like, it's a kiss that made me think, wow, a kiss is just two faces next to each other. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to the filmmakers, Scott is like, I haven't done this in a while. But truly, I mean, like, come on, man. It's, like, I mean, Tim Allen is disgusting. And- also, like... I would say that the original Santa Claus suggests that he kind of has game. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying he has respectful game. I'm not saying he's a good person. No. But I am saying that the original Santa Claus kind of suggests that Scott Calvin has game. Yeah. I agree. And it's it's like, I mean, I feel like, you know, you do have the evil Tim Allen represented in this movie through Fashy Santa Claus. I feel like I can see Fashy Santa Claus easily texting Karl Marx Communist Manifesto Wikipedia every single morning, probably <laughs> no problem. But Scott Calvin, the centrist Santa Claus, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a, a, a sexless weirdo in this one. Really doesn't really plant one on the woman he will very soon basically force to marry him. If you are ideologically standing on sand, then your dick's going to be as wobbly as your legs. Which I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think Scott Galvin. Sounds like a Bible verse when you say it like well. that. <laughs> 
wow. I can just see that in like a cursive font uh, <laughs> on a picture of Sam. Okay, so there's a there's a gross kiss, uh, <laughs> and then he tells Carol that he is Santa Claus, but she thinks that uh-huh. he is mocking her, and she doesn't believe him, so she kicks him out of her house. Mm-hmm. Then Scott and his son Charlie have an argument because Charlie is resentful of having to keep the secret that his dad is Santa, and he's also upset that his dad is his psychic seeing wound. his principal and didn't even tell Charlie about it. Oh fuck! That means Charlie's in danger of becoming a public school principal. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? With all this Christmas-related trauma that he's we gotta experiencing. Stop that. <laughs> He's got to, I mean, come on. You don't want your kid to be a public school principal. You want your kid to be a charter school principal so they can defraud the school out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's the dream. Uh, I would also like to say that, interestingly enough, Carol says something, maybe like the only thing I've ever seen in a Disney movie that approaches being like really body fat positive whatever at least in from that time from when i was growing up mm. not like the more recent ones mm-hmm. disney yes queen you're really doing it thank you now <laughs> <laughs> no one's giving it like you girl but, um, so at one point scott tells carol before he says that he's santa he's like i'm usually a lot more bigger than this and she goes that's okay I, I, I am sometimes too. Yeah. I thought that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought, like, she's, I like that. She's seen him when he's really fat before. Like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, she's seen oh, it when he's sick. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I love Carol. Yes, Carol. And I've actually, the whole movie, I liked Carol yeah. as a character. I thought she was like fun. And that that's, that's what makes what's about to happen even more tragic because, like, mm-hmm. in the ending bit of this, they they do what they did to Scott's wife. They lobotomize Carol and turn her into like just another little like one of his wenches. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. And I do I do think it's like Carol. I agree with you. I feel like I mean I I, I don't I, I don't love how she's written at a lot of points, and I yeah. feel like they really like make her evil at work in a way that feels pretty gendered of like oh uh, you know like women have to be really mean at work or people won't take them seriously kind of thing but I feel like there is an angle from which you can see Carol where it's like you know she projects this very intense image at school Mm. but then like among among friends she's chill she's fun and I feel like that is actually a real teacher archetype Mm -hmm. that exists in the world I've had teachers like that who are Mm. like friends with my parents or like friends with or like neighbors and they're not scary in a neighbor context but when they're like dance faster Jamie they're scary (laughs) and so I just wanted to shout out Miss Carol Thomas uh, from Brockton High School who was yelling at me to dance faster but she was my cousin's neighbor and she was nice Mm, okay Carol's like that exist so at the North Pole back of the North Pole Toy Santa is now a fascist dictator who has built Mm -hmm. an army of toy Mm -hmm. soldiers and he is hell-bent on giving all the children in the world lumps of coal. He says, I am a despot. (laughs) Yes, he does. Despot? Yes! (laughs) He just says that out loud on purpose. I really think that if if they wanted to actually do that, they should have gone all the way and they should have had him kill Bernard. 
Uh, I mean, <laughs> don't <laughs> they, they even have. take. I have so few things. <laughs> he should have had him <laughs> cut Bernard's head off and held it up over the Alps and screamed, <laughs> Is this what you want? Is this what you want to happen to you? <laughs> I guess he really is the head elf now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that would have made sense too, because Bernard isn't in the third film. Wow! Instead, instead, Toy Santa just arrests Bernard. Yeah, and he's a P- he's still a POW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Curtis the elf goes to Scott Uh and tells him about the problems with Toy Santa, but Scott can't get back to the North Pole because he used up too much of his Santa magic. And Comet cannot fly because he ate too much candy and gained a lot of weight. So even though there's that one moment in the movie, there's still quite a bit of fat phobia in this. Yeah, Comet (laughs) farts a bunch, like... Yeah, God. I mean, in like the most like I mean, and this is not the worst part of that scene because it is like a very like fat phobic moment. Um, but the, the fart sound effect that they choose really does sound like fart dot mp three. It is the most yes, uninspired yeah. fart sound I've ever mm-hmm. heard in all of cinema. Yeah. I'm like, you gotta make your farts custom with this. What? Wait, let's check in on the budget. This movie had a it was sixty five million dollar budget, and they. They played fart.mp3. Unconscionable. Mm. Mm-hmm. And in 2002. So they can't get back to the North Pole. So they have to call upon the Tooth Fairy to get Scott back to the North Pole. Meanwhile, Charlie shows Carol the magic snow globe that Bernard had given him in the first movie to mm. get her to believe that Scott is santa and i don't understand how that works but it does and now she believes it just shines a bright light comes out of it and she's like <laughs> fuck dude your dad is santa your dad is santa holy shit <laughs> so back at the north pole scott tries to confront toy santa who captures Scott and Curtis, but then the Tooth Fairy shows up again with Charlie and Carol, who Mm -hmm. untie Scott, and then he and the elves go to try to stop Toy Santa, but it's too late. Toy Santa has already left to deliver all the coal to the children of the world, because I guess now it's also Christmas Eve, question mark? (laughs) Yeah, that happened (laughs) pretty quickly. I, I, I wasn't clear on that either. But real Santa chases after dictator Toy Santa, on this reindeer in training named Chet, and he successfully stops Toy Santa, and then the elves... The most uninspired action sequence. It's really bad. It's truly Oh my god, Tim Allen does a line from Toy Story in that action sequence. What is it? Like, you're sad, strange little man. But Toy Story came out seven years ago at that point. Why is he doing that? I'm not sure. Hard to say. Hard well, to say. the five they had five writers, but they were still missing a line when they turned it in. So the <laughs> producers had to copy and paste something from one of those. You other should movies. have said Karl Marx, Communist Manifesto, Wikipedia. Oh my god, that would have been a me- that would have really you know gussied it up. Mm. But... He, he should have done like a oh. quote from Benito Mussolini. He should have like, <laughs> he should have said something about how he kept the sleigh running on time or something. Oh my god. Um, That is on par with the beheading Bernard suggestion. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, so then, so Christmas is saved, yeah. but Scott has to tell Carol that he can't keep being Santa unless he finds a Mrs. Claus. So then he proposes oh. to Carol, and she says yes, and then they get married that night, uh-huh. and then he delivers the toys around the world, and then the movie ends with Scott and Charlie and Lucy having a nice tender moment. That's the end of the movie. Let's take a quick break and then we will come back to discuss. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. And we're back. Okay, so what haven't we covered at this point? <laughs> uh, there's like quite a, few, a lot, I would say. There's I, a lot. There's so much stuff to talk about. There's the fucking the, the proposal. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about what happens to poor Carol, who I do agree. I I essentially like Carol. I feel like there is enough written about her that you're like, I like this lady. I I see why she and Scott are mostly. I see like I. It's not the least chemistry I've ever seen between two characters. Yeah. So there. So there's that. There's that. There's the fact that the whole premise of this movie hinges on Santa needing to find a his wife, but like we don't know why. That's it's never established why that's part of it. Why is heteronormativity? That's what Jesus said. Had that's to happen. what it's Jesus. Why don't they ever challenge this institution that is creating all of these clauses? Yes. And who is yeah. it? Like Mother it's... Earth? Like who's in charge of this? And why can't they defy yeah. it? I would say, I would say, maybe it is Mother Earth because. There are a few suggestions that she is essentially God, you know, throughout two and three. Yeah. So that's true. Another thing about this relationship is it's another example of like two people who will end up in a romantic relationship, but they start out hating each other. I Mm -hmm. 
I don't know why this is such a common premise for a romantic storyline. Enemies to lovers, baby. I personally never had that happen to me. It, I personally <laughs> no. never in my life started out hating someone and then ended up like... Marrying them? Oh, wait. Do you want to like fuck? Like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> I feel like we not too long ago quote... Oh, I think it was in the... Uh... It was the You've Got Mail episode. Yes, there's like a, a Nora Ephron quote about how nonsensical this setup is, except that she's like, well, but it's a movie, so you have to do it. Where it's like, yeah, I've certainly never absolutely fucking hated someone upon meeting them and then later realized that it I was my, they were them. my one true love. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's not something that happens. And I would say if it is happening to you, maybe maybe take a look at what's going on. You know, could be maybe a red flag to suddenly be like, actually, I don't fucking hate you i fucking love you you know yes mm -hmm. and then and then her flipping and and deciding that she, oh he's not so bad after all i don't i can't really track that evolution the, yeah the most disturbing part i think of that whole arc more than like her flip and being like wooed or whatever is in the proposal santa essentially says that he groomed her like he, he's like mm. it's so weird he's, he's like, like you've known me all your he's life like, i've been with you since you were a kid i've always <sighs> been there for you i've always loved you haven't i carol it's really creepy That's so yeah that is like perverted to say and also it's it so wasn't weird. him it was one of the old santas he's yes. only been santa for eight years which is canon in the movie right. but that it's makes it feel like hereditary it makes it feel like yes. it makes it feel like <laughs> yes. she was bred for this. Ugh, it's you know, yucky. it makes her feel like she was designed it's for this. Very, very yeah. And it, it's weird to have all these owls be like, "Come on, marry him, marry him." Like you can, you can almost see her saying no, and then them grabbing at her and like eating her. You know, like, she's, yeah, they're she's put into turning this on then, her, and then she's transformed into something inhuman. Which we see in the credits when she is like turned into this Mrs. Claus, a totally different person than who right. she was, just dancing around, fattened up, totally different hair. The Santa Claus transformation in the original film, to me, does come off as magical. But the Mrs. Claus transformation comes off as body whore, to me, at least. <laughs> like, and that's not me being like, fat phobic. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, this woman was kind of forced into turning into this inhuman mythological character that's not her. Right. And and then like the the it's supposed to be okay because well, she can still teach. And so in that way, uh, you know, has she really lost anything? It's like, mm. well, yeah, what about her like uh family and life mm. and the also a choice in mm. the matter? Um, yeah, because the elves, I mean, the elves would absolutely eat her if she said no, because their whole fucking ecosystem yeah, relies on her yeah. saying yes mm. right now. Mm -hmm. And there, uh, I also thought it was, uh, the, the Abby, Abby the elf, there's still, I mean, look, the North Pole is a patriarchy in this movie. Mm -hmm. There are no girl elves in high up positions it's bernard yeah. and it's what's his name little spencer breslin flopping around wait 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 wait! it's a really high up position to be santa's waitress <laughs> I, like she's santa's full-time waitress Ugh. 
And then he's so like emotionally unintelligent that she has to start proposing to Carol yes. for him. It's oh, oh and it's so yeah, his little child maid that he flirts with sometimes. Ooh, I know it's so yes. creepy. And then yeah, part of that proposal is him guilting Carol into marrying him, saying like, "Hey, no pressure, but if I don't get married, you know, Christmas won't happen. The children everywhere will stop <sighs> believing in Christmas and in Santa. The the elves will lose their jobs." so she like basically has no choice but to be like i guess i have to marry you now and it's it's like the stakes being this high is presented as a joke and then she kind of responds like ha 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 well i guess what else am i supposed to do and then she's like don't come home too late and then and then he turns back into santa before her very eyes it's very like (sighs) there's an instant god and this also means that Carol now has to sacrifice everything in her life, which does like get commented on. Yeah. yeah, He's like, I know I'm asking you to leave everything behind, but this place is worth it. But she like has to leave her life, her job, like her family. She doesn't get to say goodbye. Mm-mm. It doesn't seem like. She doesn't get to go back, get her stuff. And as we've we've spoken on before in, in the Santa Claus 3 episode, <laughs> it does feel like the school she teaches was kind of just created so she had a place to teach. I mean, like, what exactly is she teaching? These these elves are immortal. Like, how does this work? You know. (laughs) And also, it's like she doesn't. She can't teach what they need to know. She's not like. It's like when a a mobster buys a nightclub so that his girlfriend has a place to sing. This does get suggested at the end of this movie because he's like, and yes, um, you can be the principal at the school here that we definitely have at the North Pole for sure. We already have that, wink, wink. Yeah, we've been needing <laughs> one of those. Yeah, they're, so they're clearly lying about that. But yeah. yeah, bottom line, she has to sacrifice everything in her life. Before. For that, I mean, the the romance leading up to this very bizarre, scary proposal is, again, him showing up at her house mm-hmm. to ask her out it's on a date. It's one date. And they go on one date. It is one date. And they have the worst kiss in all of right. movies. Yeah. I was worried that he was going to wait a long time, because I didn't remember how this movie pans out exactly. I wasn't sure about the like specific plot points. And I was worried that he yeah. was going to wait a long time to tell Carol that he is Santa because that's the type of thing where in a movie like this right. the character often a man would keep this secret and like keep lying to his love interest so I was surprised he's upfront about it though he's he's upfront about it he tells her very quickly it's like at the end of their first and only date yeah what he should have done is invited her back to the house he was staying at his his ex's house Brought her to the backyard and been like, here's a reindeer. Look at him fly. (laughs) That would have been the same moral thing, like him revealing his secret. But in a way that's like, there you go. You know, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, here's your decision. I would say, honestly, telling someone you're Santa at the end of a first date, that's too soon. I mean, it's... I I don't want to know at the end of a first date. I would want to know. But also... I would want to know on a second date for some reason. It's confusing that she doesn't believe him (laughs) because she's seen what is clearly magic on display that he is doing in front Mm -hmm. of her very eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then when he, like, contextualizes it, she's like, 
no, you're making fun of me because I told you about my Christmas trauma. Yeah, and that's such a leap too. Like, I told you that I had, like, I liked Christmas, but then a kind of bad thing happened that maybe a lot of people would probably not still be caught up on. But, um, <laughs> like, and you're making fun of me by, like, imagine being, like, hurt by that, too. Like, even if he was joking, right? Like, being like, right. how dare you joke that you're Santa Claus, you know? <laughs> she was really put on. I mean, I, I, I almost got there with understand because she was, but she's like, what, are you making fun of me because of my Christmas trauma? And now you're telling me you're Santa Claus? I'm like, I don't know that that would be an antagonistic response. It would be a weird one if he were making it up. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, yeah. Mm-hmm. But who cares? <laughs> also, in that scene where they're bond, I, I guess we're supposed to think that they are bonding over their love of Christmas or their former, her former love of Christmas. I don't know. Whatever, whatever they bond over is like definitely not enough to build a marriage on because it's like pizza crust and no. a, the model of some no. random car. But the clause doesn't require, as Grace pointed out, a happy marriage. It just requires <laughs> it a marriage. And this is just to go to my point that if this whole movie had just been about that romance, could have been good. Sure, but they have like, I don't know, 10 pages of the screenplay allocated to developing this romance, so you hardly get any of that, and then the movie just like presents this very weird rushed Mm -hmm. thing where he's like, by the way, I came here to find a wife, but I didn't expect to fall in love, because that's not detailed (laughs) in the clause, I don't need to do that. Which is also so bleak. And then she's like, wait a minute, you love me? Oh my gosh, wow, awesome. (laughs) Awesome! (laughs) But, I mean, the way romantic love is depicted in almost every movie is upsetting. It's not good. Mm -mm. Uh, Can we talk about Lucy? Yes. Which, I think, Grace, did you say that sounds like a whole other movie? Uh... Yeah, I mean, like, the first movie was all about charlie and santa's relationship mm-hmm. this movie tries to get that again so lucy i don't know if we've been clear enough uh, is is neil and his, and neil and laura's kid yeah and i like that i like that we see that lucy has a good relationship with scott that's nice yeah that's cool that is cool yeah like and in broad strokes i guess it's cool like they keep like kind of gaslighting her about like how Scott is in Santa. Like maybe that's too severe of a word, but like they, they keep telling being like, Oh no, that reindeer and all that that he's not Santa. But the thing is they really try to have their cake and eat it too in a million ways in this movie, including by trying to have another Charlie Santa story engine, but with Lucy, and Lucy has like 12 minutes of screen time you know like it just isn't yeah. it's just not there it's it's not and I, I, I lucy doesn't she come back for three she's back in three? she does she, she does. does yeah and she doesn't really have much of a of a character <laughs> she loves christmas right uh, charlie had more charlie had like some sass to him some comedy about him and yeah. lucy is just like like when they need a kid to be like but Chris, on Christmas, we're not supposed to fight, or yada, 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 that sort of thing. Right. There she is. And there she is, baby. I don't, yeah, I, I, I wish that there was a little, because that, that kid is so 
cute and i liked the idea yeah. of like building a relationship with her and charlie but the the end scene you get with them is so bleak where charlie yes. just sort of is just like the knowledge that your stepfather is santa don't let it be a burden let it be a gift but if you fucking tell anyone the whole family is screwed like it's just oh there's all of these like burdens on this family mm -hmm. and then laura has been like incepted by some someone where where'd she go i i, I mm. just i wonder what the like what the thinking was behind that that like totally removed i'm like can you not have two adult women with opinions in one movie like <laughs> do you have to take them and then give them in the santa claus movies it seems part of the christmas magic is an enchantment in the north pole where if you're a woman who goes there you you are lobotomized forever. Right. <laughs> and now you are just right. like a servant, docile. It's not good. It's a very yeah. It's a very sinister vibe when an adult woman is taken to the North Pole. It never ends well for them. No. Hmm. All right. What did the, is there anything else people want to touch on? Just that. I mean, yeah. I guess we we talked a little bit about Abby the elf seeming to be an important elf but only in the sense that she brings, she brings Coco, Coco to Santa whereas like Curtis and Bernard are the ones making important decisions. I feel like there's still kind of weird vibes between her and Santa but at least it's not like in the first movie where they like oh explicitly flirt with each other. Ugh, yeah that will never leave me. That was awful. Was like So good good on you the Santa Claus 2 writers for not having that happen. Right. Also at the end she has to be saved by charlie when the toy soldiers yes. are attacking the elves yes. and that doesn't make any sense he just like he rapples down right from where he's like that's my new thing yeah. oh bad boy charlie we love him yeah and then also i mean i feel like this is an extension of what happens in the first movie but every like because neil's goofiness is turned up to an 11 like in the first and in all movies of this era any therapist character is like what a what a loser this person's doing nothing oh. for no one therapy yeah. is for weak people and we don't believe in it and like this one it goes even further at one point scott is like have you ever helped a single person? Yeah. And Neil doesn't. Neil says nothing. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's uh, it's like cartoonishly over the top in terms of like that. I don't know, but that was again like so many Disney movies at that time because it's. I always think of it with the Jamie Lee Curtis Freaky Friday character too, where like the people who come to her when she's a therapist and that are like so overplayed and so like mm -hmm. othered and demonized. And you don't see any of Neil's patience, but you just see him being absolutely like read to shit over and over and over of like, your job isn't real. Mm -hmm. Like, and from Santa Claus, Santa Claus is saying, I don't <laughs> consider your job legitimate. Like that's, that's dark. That's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, Mother Earth, played by Aisha Tyler, yep. uh, the only woman of color with a speaking role in the entire movie. And while she is in a leadership role because she's maybe God. <laughs> she's God. <laughs> she is God. She's playing the role of God and yet has nothing to do. Nothing to do. The Tooth Fairy has way more narrative significance than she does. Although I think it was an interesting and subversive choice to make the Tooth Fairy a man in this yeah. franchise. And I wanted yes. to just shout out uh, the actor who played the Tooth Fairy died this week, Rest the week peace. that we record, yeah. he, he died very yeah. recently, Art Lafleur. So 
He's been in a million movies. A great, a truly a great character actor. Really, yeah. really a great character actor. So if if you don't know who he is, like from from us saying his name or whatever, if you see his face, you'll you'll have a million memories of him. So rest in true. peace. Yes, I, I I like the Tooth Fairy character. Um, yeah. But I wish that they'd use the whole league a little more because they have so many good like yeah you know they have Michael Dorn. I always forget Michael Dorn is Sandman and Michael Dorn yeah. is like work life balance is important and that's sort of his whole <laughs> role in this movie. I don't know. And, and uh, Frank from Everybody Loves Raymond, but his uh, Scott's boss from the first film is the. Is oh the yeah, it's Father Time. Father Time. Oh. Yeah. <gasps> right. Yeah. Whoa. I didn't even connect that. Yeah. Wild. That's wild. Yeah. Everyone at the North Pole only speaks English and yeah. with an American accent as if the and Christmas In the first movie, is... there's British elves. I oh, mean, it's yeah. still English, but there are British mm-hmm. elves in the first movie. This time, it's just like... I think it would have been much cooler if they had summoned Mother Earth to help them travel by, like, cutting off the head of a sheep and, like, like <laughs> rubbing now the blood on talking. a tree. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I mean, rise from the dirt and suck them up. Grace, save it for your Santa Claus four pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't really have anything else to say. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. It like that, and I don't think it's even close. Well, okay, okay. If you consider. If you consider that, <laughs> she's building an argument. I can see the wheels. Turning. Wait, wait, wait. There is a there is a scene where Lucy goes, "Mom," and Laura goes, "Yes." And Lucy says, "I lost another tooth. Should I put it under my pillow?" And then Scott. There we go. There we go. Uh, this we... movie passes. The Santa Claus two passes the mental no. test. No. Not meaningfully. <laughs> no, but that tooth is important. That is a narratively important tooth. No, yeah. it passes. Oh, my God. I don't feel great about it either. I don't feel good about that at all. <laughs> but This is perfect. It's perfect that this is how we're ending this. By <laughs> recognizing that the Santa Claus 2 passes... The Bechtel test. I mean, Kate, that meet, that meets every criteria. It is like you can't deny that that tooth is important. Yeah, I know. So, oh my God, the verdict is in. It passes unless there's a secret clause to the Bechtel test that we don't know about and we yeah. are just finding out. Get Spencer. Get Spencer in here. Where's Spencer? Yeah, we it? need his magnifying glasses. Yeah. Um, but yes, the, uh, let's rate the movie on our nipple scale, zero to five nipples, based on an examination of the movie through an intersectional feminist lens. Uh, I'm gonna give this, I guess, like one nipple, a half nipple, between the ludicrous romantic storyline that is creepy and uh based on absolutely nothing aside from santa needing uh his wife uh-huh. to continue justifying his existence carol being forced and guilted into a marriage after going on one date with the guy her having to sacrifice everything in her life as a result uh, i hate it um the movie does introduce several new female characters 
but there, well some some have are, are now just a husk of their former selves but technically yes there are <laughs> many people there are there, there are women in the movie homunculi there <laughs> ho 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 homunculi <laughs> but um most of the women who are present are not really uh contributing much to the story or they don't have any agency or they get coerced into a marriage with santa claus at the last minute so i don't like it Uh, i'm gonna go down to a half nipple i'll give my half nipple to comet the reindeer oh my gosh no wait well i mean i can't tell you what to do i just wanted i just i forgot to say comet was a i i've talked about this on the show many times but this specific era of like combining animatronics with cgi used to scare the living shit out of me and comet is a is a is a formative example of like (laughs) i can't look at this or it's gonna haunt me like really haunt (laughs) me comet is a scary looking the eyes the way the eyes it's it's not Mm -hmm. good I feel yeah. absolutely fucking defeated by the fact that this movie passes the Bechdel test. It kind of blows my mind. Uh, and it really is like giving me a headache to think about. And you know, like when you're at a point where you're like, you can feel in your sign, you're like, I could get a nosebleed at any second. So I'm going to give it five nipples because this has been a three year journey we've been on. Wow. With the Santa Claus movies. We went one, three, two because we're not like other girls. We're not going to do it in order. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give it five nipples because I think that this is the first one that passed the Bechdel test. Um, and, Mm. and is it my least favorite of the three by a long shot? Absolutely. I, 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 I don't like this one. I don't enjoy watching it. I won't be returning to it. Unlike the Santa Claus one and three, which I will be coming back to for years to come. Sure. I can't believe I just, Hey, I lost a tooth. Should I put underneath my pillow? Yes, you should. And then. So I have to give it five nipples. I have to give it five nipples, and I'm giving them all to Bernard again. Oh, very good. Grace? I also have to give it five nipples. Oh, my God. Sorry, Caitlin. (laughs) Because... It's now in the top 5% of movies we've ever covered. How could I give any less than a 100% score? How could I give any less Mm -hmm. than five nipples? To the very air that I breathe. <laughs> the, <laughs> uh-huh. the Santa Claus films are inside of me and outside of me. And they're like, wow. the Santa Claus films are what, what my pastor told me Jesus was. Like, always with me. Always there for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and how, how am I supposed to give a negative review of a building block of life itself. Mm. I just don't think that I can do that. Caitlin should have really thought of that before she came her. I just don't think that I can do that. <laughs> um, I'm going to give my five nipples. I'm going to give each one of them to a different one of my close friends Ooh. and have them take care of them. As if they are each a key that one combined what? is able to unlock something in me that is like a pure joy that might need to be unlocked in the future in a dark time. So I'm going to disperse these nipples amongst my friends that will be 
keepers of the Santa Claus two nipples, and oh. they'll be able to use them in in time in a time of great need in the future. Mm. And if I pass away before that time comes, I hope they use the nipples to unlock a great Christmas joy in somebody else, like say a fascist dictator. You know, like. <laughs> If Trump gets reelected, use those nipples to teach him the true meaning of Christmas. Um. <laughs> that is so beautiful, and I'm crying. <laughs> really, really beautiful. She it really is, listeners. She really is. <laughs> Jamie, I can't. I can't look. There's a waterfall going on across Jamie's face right now. I can't stop fucking crying, and this is really hard for me. Jamie, I'm sorry you're you're crying. Thank you. Uh, Grace, thank you for coming back and thank completing the trifecta of the Santa Claus trilogy and making this the best holiday tradition I've ever participated in. Yeah, maybe the only holiday tradition I've ever participated <laughs> in, really. Um, Where I love Christmas, but I have a I had a hard childhood. Um, so... <laughs> oh, we've got <laughs> five hours of audio on that, I actually think. <laughs> uh, where can where can people follow you online and check out your stuff? Well, two things. One, I, I never mentioned that. I, I rewatched it uh, with motion smoothing on. <laughs> Because I, it's, I'm watching it on my in-laws' television, and I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And that made it even more surreal and weird and, like, stomach-wrenching. And I suggest everyone should do that to mm-hmm. really be able to, like, look at the world and what it is in a new way. Um, <laughs> where can you follow me? I'm at Grace G. Freud on Twitter. Um, I have a newsletter, too, that's, like, tinyletter.com slash gracefreud. I'm part of a comedy duo called Girl God, um, and we are doing a never-ending tour. We're in Chicago in December, Los Angeles in January. We're back in New York in February. We've got more shows to announce soon. Uh, also, watch Rick and Morty in two years when my episode <laughs> comes <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> 2023, there's a fucking banger. Thank you. Coming. Thank you guys for having me. I've really loved oh this uh, so much. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I'm oh glad that we, this is the only thing I've ever completed in my life. So I'm <laughs> glad that we finished out the trilogy. <laughs> wow. Oh, thank you, Grace. We love you. That's beautiful. It's a it's a Christmas miracle. Uh, speaking of shows, uh, we, we're going to be at San Francisco Sketch Fest. We keep forgetting to promote this show that is actually quite soon. Whoa. Yes. Uh, we're we're going to be back. It's on January 19th. And you can come if you're in San Francisco. We're going to be uh, releasing additional tour dates soon. So you can just mm-hmm. imagine what's around San Francisco. What's directly, uh, you know, above San Francisco. And also, Caitlin and I want to go to Vegas. The so we North might go to Pole. Vegas. The North Pole is directly above San Francisco. We're going to the North Pole. Yeah. You know, I know that we've said adult women shouldn't go to the North Pole, but we're just going to see what happens. Well, Jamie, I've been proposed to by Santa, and I have to say yes. So we're going you, to the North Pole. <gasps> wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my luck with Bernard. See if he'll have me. Best of luck. And Truly. I Thank am you. gonna fuck a reindeer. Peace out, everybody. <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 
What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.